Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. We are two weeks away from the draft. That's hard to believe. It, it seems like there's too much to happen between now and then with one-on-one workouts with teams and all that and the conclusion of the NBA Finals, but it is right around the corner. And today I wanted to do some draft stuff. I wanted to talk about some international NBA draft prospects. And, you know, I can't think of a better way to do that than to jump across the pond and talk with Graham Chapel. Uh, Graham, how are you doing today? Hello. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Graham is uh, Brad Rowland's right-hand man at, at Peachtree Hoops. And, uh, oh, he, Jeff's going to be he, mad. What's that? <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's, Jeff Siegel's going to be very upset. Oh, don't worry about Jeff's feelings on here. He's a big boy. <laughs> and so uh, I wanted to talk about Goga. I've got Goga fever. Mm. Do you have Goga I don't blame fever? You. I wasn't sure how I felt about him before diving into all the film, but having gone through it all, there's a lot to be excited for, isn't there? It, he's fun. He is fun to watch. I should backtrack and say that you know Peachtree Hoops has a unbelievably dedicated series of draft previews. I'm not sure how many players they've done so far. It feels like there are more previews than there are actual spots in the draft. Are we over 60? I think you're over 60 at this point. I think we are. Well, we're into the last, the last, we're basically near the lottery now at this stage, but there are definitely at least over 70. It is mad. So that's, yeah. I mean, in, in a 60 player draft, that's some pretty intense coverage. And you were the specialist to talk about Goga Batadze, who is a legitimate seven-foot center from Georgia, who spent the last season playing for Mega BMAX. And this week he won, I want to say, the MVP of the Super League. And he took a picture with Nikola Jokic, and he really is seven-foot 250 if if i'm judging that picture correctly yeah <laughs> legit <laughs> they were staying like, side by side and they were the same size yeah he turns 20 in july like it's 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 bonkers it, yeah, and he it's looks like, he's like look the same like age that john collins was when they drafted him right he was like 19 but like a couple of weeks from turning 20 yeah but um john wasn't 250 though <laughs> <laughs> no 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 all right so for starters, explain a little bit about Goga's season because I'm definitely not well versed on it. I think, in fact, it probably threw me once this season when I was looking something up. But just the whole process of where he went this season in terms of like he was a rail B Max player, but he was on mm-hmm. loan, correct? Yeah, so. He started with Mega BMAX, uh, who have, if you've ever seen them, you'll you know them. Everyone knows them as the, the team that has the colorful jer- jerseys and shorts. <laughs> like uh, flaming pink-purple, correct? Well, it's it's insane, yeah. There's there's a hot shade of pink in there as well. Uh, it is it is something to... I actually don't mind it. It, actually, it's, it, it, it tells it. At least it's, you can tell it apart. But uh, he started off there. I was obviously tearing it up and had the chance to go on loan. Uh the team name, I, I if I'm saying it right, or I'm not saying it right, but it's it's called Budokness, Budokness. Yeah, um, sounds right. It, I'm sure there's a, a yeah. Uh, we'll we're there, we're there, good so, enough. They they are decent enough. They are they're in Euroleague as well, and that's yep. kind of where he got to kind of really kind of showcase himself on a much larger scale. I think it was a surprise kind of how well he performed. In the EuroLeague. It's kind of an season. ideal scenario, right? Because it's like, you know, they weren't as talented a team as the team he was coming from. But at the same time, they were still playing in the top, you know, they're playing mm. in EuroLeague, which is the second best league in the world, for at least for their international, you know, version of their games. And so you get to see him against, you know, top tier competition. Professionals. Yeah, those those are those are grown men. In fact, why why would a team I'm watching this and I'm thinking, why why would a team loan him out? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand the uh, the idea myself, but they, 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 I guess the condition was they 
Mega got to take them back after they were done in EuroLeague, so they got to do the playoffs with Mega Vmax as well. So I guess there is, I guess there is that. Who, who did they have at center that was? They must have some centers, correct? There's no replace. There's no How do you replace seven feet two fifty and then someone who can grab like twenty rebounds in the game? I don't know how they managed. It was but. just a misjudgment. <laughs> it it is odd, isn't it? But it worked out well for him, anyways. Sure, uh, he got to had a great year. Won the Rising Star, which uh, a, a few faces you might remember won it. Um, Luka Doncic won it twice. Gallinari, a long time ago, has won it. Uh, I think Bogdan has won it twice as well. Miritich has won it twice. So there's some good there's some good names in there. But there's also some really bad players like uh, I believe Barnani. You have a Barnani in there as well. So <laughs> some uh, some interesting company, but. It was amazing, kind of how how well he played in in Euroleague. Because I get like these are these are grown men, these professionals. It's it's a tough tough league. Like it's 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 quite physical. Uh, but just to see him come in and average what twelve or so points per game, mostly off the bench. Sometimes it started, but a good bit he was coming off the bench. Uh, just. Really impressive, and obviously, I don't, I don't think he rises as high in mocks and the such if he doesn't have that element to his season. So, you know, you mentioned the Rising Star Award and the fact that, it, you know, among the players, the one that was Luca last, you know, a little over a year ago, he broke. Luca's, I want to say, PER record or something like that. Is that is that fair? Yeah, that I think that is. Yeah, that is correct. So, which is what's he doing in the box score to make that happen? He's just so efficient. Like he's he's really efficient from the field. Uh, on his season, I don't have the actual Euroleague stats in front of me. But I have his season stats though: sixty-six percent true shooting, sixty-two percent effective field goal percentage, fifty-five from the field. Uh, you know, basically forty from three. He's just really efficient in what he does, and he gets stuff done defensively in terms of blocks. Now, you look, there's an argument for defensive stuff with Goga, and we can get to it, I'm sure, but he's just really efficient, and he just, he'll just he fill up the box score kind of in all sorts of ways, but he's just so... Offensively, there's so much to like, and I think it's just that efficiency and effectiveness in kind of that limited kind of... I wouldn't say, well, he does play a decent bit of minutes, but like he doesn't play over 30, for example. Like, I'm pretty sure he's limited in the 20s. But just when he's on, he's productive. I think that's just played a huge part in just um, in terms of breaking Luca's PER record. I mean, Luca was someone who did smash easily 30 minutes per game with Madrid in his, in his MVP season. <laughs> but you know, they needed everything from him, basically, when you know, they didn't have uh, their... Other MVP from the previous year, Sergio Lul. I think Lul, I think that's how you say it, but it's easy to step up. But yeah, just incredibly efficient. And there's so much to like offensively. Yeah, they were both beneficiaries of uh, some offensive opportunity at the right time in the season before the NBA draft in which they were going to come out. Uh, I'm looking at Goga's stats, you know, again, across all leagues. This past season, he shot forty percent from three. Is that something that looks in any way legitimate to you? Uh, anytime I look at look it's, at a three point percentage, I need to look at the volume. I need to look how many attempts there were per game. And he I had ninety in fifty one games. So I look at the attempts and think. I think there's obviously a good foundation because obviously to make forty percent, you know, you can't just completely overlook that. But you look at the attempts. And it was, what was it, just over, I'll just pull up in front of me, 1.7 attempts in all, across all competitions per game. So uh, there is a little bit behind it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go shouting from the rooftop saying he's a brilliant three-point shooter. Because I, I, you'd like to see a few, see what he could do, maybe two or three attempts per game and see what he, if, it, if that translates. Right. If that kind of, you know, if there's, if the percentages, if it kind of, well, I'd imagine it would dip a little bit if you throw in an extra two or three attempts per game. But kind of is it still going to be thirty six, thirty seven, or you know, is is there was there a kind of merit behind? You know, it's it's kind of hard to say. But I I do think there is definitely you know, the stroke looks nice. I do think there is 
yeah, he's got that element in his game. I would just like like to see kind of what he does in a few more attempts per game. Uh, one thing you we mentioned Jeff at the beginning of the podcast, and one of the things you know he said this that was sort of interesting to me this week was as we talked about some of the big man shoot, you know, the, the, the shooting prospects for some of the big men coming out in the draft, it's that you, know, you look across the NBA and you know, the one position maybe where you could get away with your shooting mechanics being a little bit wonky is the center position, just because they're a little bit bigger. They have a little bit more space from which to start. Uh, you know, apart from the numbers and the volume, when you look at it, does it look right? Yeah, I think it does. I think there is, he's got, I think I think it is a good it's a good shot. It's it looks it, yeah, it looks pretty decent leaving them. So I do think there is I think he is definitely someone who can, you know, pull over to the NBA. I, I assume he plays from day one. <laughs> I think he's no doubt. I think he's offensively ready. Uh, I think he could come in and do that for a team. I think that shot would translate again. I don't think he's shooting forty percent, right? But I definitely think he could put him in there. He is a Big lad, seven foot. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the spacing. You're sure, Marcus has got like you see Marcus. Marcus doesn't even sometimes doesn't even jump <laughs> for his for his uh, on his. Uh, you know, speaking of the finals, uh, on his on some of his jump shots, quote jump shots. The finals so, are killing me just because Marcus looks like you know Carl Lewis, like an Olympic <laughs> sprinter out there compared to Demarcus Cousins and Andrew Bogart. It's which is saying something in itself. <laughs> I, I'm. It's just flabbergasting to to see how fast he looks compared to you know cousins who you know may or may not be fully healthy. Bogut who was a little bit faster in his younger days, but he is mm. just he's just tearing and turning the corner on these guys, and it's it's not great that that this is the basketball product that Golden State is putting out and what's supposed to be the biggest stage because there have to be. 50 centers in the league who would be at least who would be better equipped to be playing at this point in the season than than Cousins and Bogut. It's it's been kind of rough to watch. Uh but on that note it seems like Goga has good footwork. I mean mm. you know, he looks light on his feet especially on the offensive end, you know, he he's putting, you know, he he has the steps to finish on the pick and roll he knows where to to get his feet set and where to turn and where to pivot and all that stuff that you want from a big man on the move around the basket does any of that translate to the defensive end because it looks like he is really good as a rim protector on sort of quick rotations when he's kind of around the basket but it's not his guy and Mm. he's got to take one or two steps and get up fast that looks like something he does really well but overall you know, with all the sort of things that you would want at the NBA level from a big, uh, how does his foot speed, foot talents, uh, and all of that come into play? For someone who's seven foot two fifty, I've seen I've seen people who move worse. Let me put it that way. He does move pretty well given his size and his height um, on both ends. I think maybe less so defensively. Like you mentioned they played um, when he was at Budokanost. Uh, they played this. 2-3 zone where he's basically just kind of always near the rim basically and not so much on a man uh, that's a little so, scary um, which is great for putting in positions to come over and block shots so right. you, like he does he does move over well to come over and whether it's his own man or more, yeah, more so in help situations he does he, he is able to come, come, come across and, and uh, as a help and he does he does move well uh, again, relatively for his size and weight uh, in help situations. And offensively, it's great because you can even see him in the post. He pick, on pick and roll. He's it's so he's really good. Um, that's kind of one thing that was I watched him. I was like, this guy is coming out of pick and roll. He just seems to finish almost anything kind of coming towards the rim. But he does have to sometimes. He does start out near kind of three point line and such sure. in, in screens and. Um, so he obviously has to get from A to B, and he can. That's that's the thing. He does, he does, uh, he does it quite well. Defensively, I'd be a bit more concerned with his footwork, kind of one on one, but definitely kind of in help situations, and it helped him in the zone 
when they what they played, I'd just be a little bit more concerned because well, we actually we did see teams run a good bit of zone this year. To be fair, like I I saw more zone this year in the NBA than I had in well, at least I thought I had in previous years. Especially like it wouldn't be uncommon to see the Hawks as well whip out some whip out some zone from time to time, and even see some zone in, in like see other teams whip out zone as well. The Bucks did forty eight minutes of it against the Hawks, right? <laughs> so. I mean, that was a surprise. So unless they want to, whoever drafts wants to hide a bit more, they could do that. It just, yeah, one-on-one kind of starting, as like switches are kind of like death, as you could probably imagine. Uh, can be can be pretty tough. But okay. generally speaking, I thought you moved pretty well for someone who's seven foot, 250. Um, better offensively, as you could imagine. Uh, defensively in space, which is the one thing I was chatting to uh, Brad Rowland about when we were just conversing. Like that was one. That was one. His big worry was kind of how can he defend in space, uh, and I think it's definitely fair because <laughs> get him on an island, uh, even even with someone, not even a guard. Like, I think even just someone who, you know, have your nimble. Like, even I know obviously it's a tough example, but like someone like a Pascal Siakam kind of type who can kind of obviously his footwork is great and. He's mobile, but someone like of that kind of ilk, and I would be a little worried more, a little bit more worried about um, Goga, Goga moving his feet about. But generally speaking, I think he's pretty good, given his size and weight. So maybe this is a little bit redundant with your with your answer to the last question, but you know, just to kind of be specific about it, you know, if if the other team wants to run a pick and roll, let's say it's a big small pick and roll. Uh-huh. And the big is set in the screen, and Gog is out there guarding him. What sort of on and off the table for the types of defensive coverages that you can run for that pick and roll with Goga? Can you hedge and recover? Can you switch? Do you have to go drop every time? You know, what, what sort of things are we talking about in those situations? Is there any, you know, what what sort of versatility do you think you can count on in those situations? I would say less so of hedge. I didn't see a ton. Of, didn't see him hedge a ton. Uh-huh. Uh, that would con- that would be a, a little concern. I think to, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let, be comfortable putting him in the kind of hedging him and recovering. Uh, switches are a lot more common now. He like like off of drives. It's a bit more of a concern. But if they want to try and try and size him up, I feel confident that he could. He's got look. He, he does contest well. That was one thing I saw. That I think he does contest pretty well. He's and he's long. You know, he's he's got good length to him as well. So I'd be less worried about that. Uh, again, it's kind of a similar in drop as well because he can drop a little, little, uh, less in a sense because he. I think he can. I think he can do a good job, kind of getting a hand up, kind of move, moving well enough to kind of get a contest out there. But the hedging, I think, would be a bit more of a concern. Uh, switching again it's kind of it, look switching is all dependent on who you are as a off, as obviously offense and defense right. uh, but if you're the kind of player who wants to kind of try and size up and shoot try and shoot over in a sense or kind of shake and bake uh, more or more so than drive I do think that would not necessarily not, I wouldn't say give an advantage to Goga but it would certainly help him uh, in a sense that he can just he is good at contesting uh, so the Driving and hedging would be a little bit more of a concern, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too. Yeah, I, I'd be. I feel confident that he could get a good contest up in some switch situations, and you wouldn't have to drop him too far. But he can. He could drop a little bit back and still kind of move well enough and, and contest. I, I feel. I feel confident enough to say that at least about him. Uh, if we switch back to the offensive side. Mm. You know, we mentioned before that he looks like a pick and roll beast, but what about in terms of, you know, post ups? If if a team switches him in a pick and roll, is he gonna be able to take a switch of somebody who's a little bit smaller than him and and makes good stuff happen out of the low post or an ISO? Yeah, I think so. He does like to work the post a bit uh in where we kind of whoever he was against, really, uh, he is, and because his footwork is pretty good for his size, he does he, he can take advantage of it. So I would feel comfortable about saying that about him that he can. 
that's kind of why why I liked about him so much was that he could do a lot of different things, especially around the rim. Like he just seemed to anything around the rim, he just loved to finish. And I feel that felt like the post was one of those as well. So, I yeah, I would say yeah, he definitely could make things happen down there. Uh, just he just he just boasts. Uh, mm, mm, well, it's kind of you could say maybe less so in the NBA because look, playing in the um, the ABA, you're with you're that size and that and that with that kind of body, you're gonna have a kind of an advantage. No, you know, in most situations, maybe less so in Euroleague, obviously, but. Uh, I, so I'd be a little bit more worried about that kind of immediately in the NBA, obviously depending on who, excuse me, who he plays. Uh, but if you're running any sort of mismatch, I do think he he is in a position where he can, he's equipped enough to take advantage of it, if, if that makes sense. Okay. So we mentioned before that he was, you know, he looks like he has wonderful footwork in the pick and roll and, you know, good touch around the rim and a good sense of where and how to get a shot off. Mm. Sometimes at the NBA level, you see players who are good in the pick and roll. And at the same time, if the opposing team just kind of commits three players to defending the pick and roll, they're not a good enough passer to punish the opponent in that situation. Does he look like a player who can you know, pass on the short roll if needed? I think I think in some depending on the situation, I wouldn't call him a. I wouldn't say he's got the most amazing feel for like in terms of he can make a pass or two. I've seen him make a few passes of here and there. Uh, some of them are nice. Some of them it's kind of it goes a little bit pear shaped. I would that would be an area I'd be a little bit more worried about. Can he make kind of the the read? Can he can he spot the extra pass in time? Because it's not something he had to do a ton of, really. Uh, right. And for the record, his for, uh, his, uh, for the past season in 51 games, playing 23 minutes a game, he was averaging one assist, just a, a shade over one assist a game. Mm. And, it's, and, that's, and it's, uh, that's pretty decent for at that position. Okay. Uh, I, I would be, yeah, in terms of read stuff, I would be a little bit more worried about it. Um, again, I can, I've seen him make passes. I've seen him make good passes, too. Uh, out of some situations, but I, I I just wonder kind of I didn't see enough of it in kind of ex, kind of intense kind of like in pressure where you do see kind of a lot of pick and roll help in terms of um, stationary more so because once he's on the move he's kind of as you can imagine he's probably he's pretty uh, hard to stop because either it's going to be a bucket or it's going to be free throws because he's just got such a such an advantage, but kind of in the slow stuff. Uh, I'd be a little bit more worried if you kind of if you pull a big over, if he's if he's kind of going down downhill and you pull someone over in time and he has to kind of stop and mm-hmm. kind of re- or slow down and reassess. Right. Uh, it's in those more so situations. I'd be a little bit more worried about what uh, what he does next. But is from what in limited passing stuff I've seen of him. Um, it's generally okay, but it's just at the next level, I'm it, that would be a bit more of a concern if it's advanced enough. It's, I mean, there's no comparison here at all, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I was going to say he's so young, so maybe there's time to learn that. But then again, you look at somebody like Jokic, who playing for the same team at roughly the same age, was just a, he was just a devastating passer in Europe. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. And Some he, stuff he's not going to be any, anywhere near that. Yeah, because Jokic was just he was something else, man. I remember I wanted the Bucks to pick him in the second round so badly. They went <laughs> and picked who did they pick? What was the name of that kid? Was it uh, they picked Lamar Patterson and traded him, but that was later. They picked somebody higher up. I'm gonna have to. Dig that up and look. But yeah, that was... Whew. All right, so I'm not sure how far you you know, you know get into the the draft stuff. And it's always funny. I'm not sure why the adjective big is used, but everybody talks about who's where on their big board. There are no little mm. boards, only big boards. <laughs> Sizes. <laughs> if, if you had to slot Goga 
somewhere in terms of where he would go in the first round. Where, where do you think he's going to end up? I've seen stuff out there on these, as you call them, big boards, um, about kind of falling outside the lottery. And I've seen even, I, well, I, I can't remember if it was ESPN or The Athletic, Adam at 26. Woo. And I was like, whoa, that is, yeah. that is interesting. I don't think he'll get that far. Mm, I don't think so either. Uh, I'd have him in the lottery for sure. I do, because I think he's, I think he could pop him in right now offensively and he'd be able to do stuff for you. And defensively, again, I, look, defense is more of an afterthought these days. <laughs> so I think that matters a bit less. Uh, but he's also about, just about to turn 20 and he's already this kind of, this, you know, he's got good body, good athlete. He's like, he can already produce at kind of well, as we, you've talked about like the second highest level that basketball has out there yeah. uh i i i would i do think he should <laughs> i think should go in the lottery I, I do i think there's there's a lot he has to tap into i think defensively as well as offensively as well um that he's just got that room to grow more obviously more so defensively um but i think if you if you can make make something out of him defensively, I mean, you've got this potentially two-way big who can space the floor. Like that is a very valuable commodity right. in the league. If you can get your hands on that, you're going to want to jump the queue. If you if you want to get ahead on this, you're going to have to swing early, and that's <laughs> going to be the lottery. Right. Late lottery. Sorry. Yeah. Also later lottery. Mm, I think more so later lottery. Uh, I was making if you want if you want if if look <laughs> Goku is a popular man around Twitter sphere and uh, I think Hawks Twitter sphere is kind of hoping he might land in Atlanta. <laughs> if they want that to happen, they're gonna have to take they're gonna have to might have to bite the take a bite and just go at at ten, which is getting close to where I'd be a little uncomfortable in the sense. Right, but. Since the, if they're going to use both eight and ten, and obviously look, there's a lot of trade speculation out there, and right. it's only going to increase before we're already June sixth. Like, I mean, why not? I mean, this draft is so weird from like right. ten to thirty. Like ten to thirty is just this mismatch of players. I wonder if Travis will get into wheel and deal mode and you know try to sl- slot Goga somewhere other than ten. If he feels that he can get away with it, I mean, there's, you know, it's, I, I don't, if he's not going at 10, I don't think he's making it past, you know, too far out of 13 or 14 or 15, depending on, it's all, it all depends, it all depends how high you are on him. If Travis is high on him, you might want to take him at 10. It depends right. on the packages. Are, look, it all, <laughs> it's just so many elements to it. And because obviously the talks of five picks and there's just, there's obviously going to be a move done somewhere, but what range is going to be hard to say. If he does stick with eight and ten, I think it's a lot more acceptable for the Hawks to take him at ten because they have eight as well. Right, and you can kind of take a bit more of a stab, or you only have one pick in that area, then there's a bit more pressure. But if if everyone does lowers, as a math professor, I have to say that math. seems sort of like that seems like a specious argument. <laughs> yeah, that somehow the pick is less valuable because you have another pick. I, I mean, I get what you're saying that that you're going to have somebody else to focus on. And so you can go high, high, high reward, you know, low floor, but. Right. Not that you should, you should waste picks as such, but <laughs> you're going to keep eight and 10. Like if you get, right. you've got, look, Schlenk has talked about kind of, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, kind of wanting as many bites of the cherry as possible right. in terms of picks. You want more, I think it's, well, I think you mentioned swings. Yep. Uh, I think it's back in what, 2017 when he won the first, one of his, when he was basically establishing his, uh, his, uh, it's kind of philosophy when it comes to this kind of thing. You want the more picks, and the more picks you have, the better. Is basically what he's saying. This is a good kind of spot for that. If he keeps those, if he keeps hold of eight and ten, and there's no package that he likes, I think you can make a case for taking a little bit of an earlier swing at Goga. If you have some of the eight, and you're kind of set on it, whether if it is Clark or whatever the case may be. If he likes them, someone's going to have to take going to go early. I think there is enough interest in them. There's enough there. So I think someone's going to, I think someone's going to do it. I'm just not sure who, but I think someone should do it. It's, it's funny, you know, mentioning Schlenk, it's, it's maybe it's coincidence. Uh, 
but it doesn't seem like you, know, you look at his track record and again he didn't have sole control or sole say so at Golden State but you just look at the players that have been picked during you know the the tenure where he was part of a decision maker in Golden State and now in Atlanta you know we were obviously has a lot more say so over who gets picked there haven't been a lot of international guys in the list uh, I'm you know I'm, not great ones, no no I mean hardly <laughs> any there, of all though, either good rich. or bad I mean you've got everybody came out of college like Steph Curry Epe Udo Clay Thompson Charles Jenkins uh, Harrison Barnes Festus Azili Draymond Green these are all guys that, that played at college Kevon Looney Damian Jones Jacob Evans I mean you you look for international guys and the only really ones that they've done have been draft and stashes uh, Ognian Kuzmich mm. Just thinking uh, in, that in 2012 and Alpha Kaba, who what year was uh, that? 2017. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are yeah, picks 52 and 60. So not a whole lot of an international bent in those those the the picks that those teams have made over the years. I don't know if, you know if they just see things differently or value it differently. And but uh, you know he doesn't have a huge track record or history of picking international guys. So that's for you know. I'm not saying anything other than there is a history. And so, you know. I mean, they technically drafted Luka Doncic. <laughs> <laughs> technically. That's true. I was going to say that. I've, 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 <laughs> when I ran through this whole thing in my head before I was, you know, you know, getting ready for a podcast, you, you prep for these things and you think them mm-hmm. through. That was in my head when when I was getting ready. And then, whoops, when it came time to execute, just gone, gone from the memory bank. But and yes, they, they picked Doncic to trade him. Yeah. <laughs> but he did pick internationally, so there you go. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's, I think there's also he's a few very open and honest about players. like... Oh, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I think there's a few better international players kind of this season as well in draft right. compared to, I think, last year. There's a few like, obviously, Goga's one, Sekou Dumbia is going, to be, is going to be another that's going to be heavily tutored for the lottery, I think. Uh, Lucas Samanich is looking like he's going to be getting some action in the first round as well. So I think there's a bit more from the international side this year, I think, than last year, where kind of it's your Isaac Bongas, your uh, Rodion's <laughs> Kuruks, kind of, and these are second round guys. Um, right. I tried to delve into what I did last year internationally. Um, but there's been, I think there's a bit more talent this year internationally. So maybe it's a, this is the year that, that maybe stigma might be shifted a bit but right. yeah you're, you're generally right it's his track record he, he's got the track record of kind of sticking sticking local enough and he was a scout himself at some point so i mean and it's not like he doesn't do his homework like you know right. he's, he's very candid about you know saying as much as he can say you know when he does radio interviews and things like that where did he go i mean he's not he's not going to name the player but he's like oh you know i was in tallahassee watching a game last night or you know and so he's, you know, he's very candid. And when he does his radio interviews and he goes to Europe, you know, he's like, I went to this city and that city. And, you know, he dropped a ton of hints about mm. where he goes and what days he's there. And a little less hard to kind of, uh, it's, it's not to hard to see what he's doing his homework. See. And he yeah. definitely went to some of, uh, Goga's games. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's definitely done his homework and, you know, regardless of his history, it's still a possibility. He knows it's a possibility. He's done his homework. I'm not sure what his opinion is going to be, but he he certainly didn't close the door before giving it its its full due. He's also talked enough about taking the best player available, more so than kind of looking at team need. And so it all just depends on how we how high they are, and that's something we just don't know. Is kind of how high they are on guys, and because. Sometimes it, we make the draft to be like this big, complicated thing, but you look back to 2017, it's like, well, John Collins was the best, highest player on our list at 19, so we took him. It's kind of, you know, it's, if it all depends how they feel about Goga. If he, they do feel that highly about him, then, you know, it maybe shouldn't surprise anyone that, that he does take a swing at 10. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any question that Goga would fit, but I don't think they care 
about fit all that much yet. I mean, I maybe they wouldn't draft a point guard if they were absolutely in love with a point guard. But other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, I think they'll they'll take anybody regardless of fit at this point. They're they're too early right. in the rebuild to to say, oh, who fits here, who fits there. It's just get get talent because you need talent. Mm. Absolutely. Uh you mentioned uh Seku Dumboya before. Uh mm. You want want to fill us in on him because I know you've been scouting these international prospects. Yeah, um, literally just started the write up today while I have the heading in. Um, so this is someone that kind of people have above Goga in mocks and the such. Uh-huh. And I, I knew this heading in is like okay. So after having watched Goga, it's like well, I'm expecting quite a bit here from from uh, from Seku. Right. But you have to remember, and it's, this, is, this is the thing you have to remember, the dude is 18 years old, and he doesn't turn 19 till December this year. Um, I have the ESPN article, article in front of me here. That's um, from uh, Jonathan Giovanni. And according to that, he is the youngest player, or he's also not only is he the youngest player eligible for the 2019 draft, but he's also breaking Giannis's uh, record as such for... Uh, He'll be the youngest player on in the NBA since obviously the 2005 uh, age limit. Yanis uh, turned 19 December 6th, and Seiko doesn't turn 19 until December 23rd. So it's pretty pretty late. So it's <laughs> pushing all the boundaries of how young mm. you can be. It's, close, it's, man. It's, it's based on January 1, right? Like right. Okay. It's pretty damn close. <laughs> um, so it's all about kind of upside more so. You can, go, you, can, you can look at Goga as like he can do stuff for you now as well as kind of mature. Whereas a bit more with Seiku, it's kind of more so you're looking at upside. He's a little raw uh, kind of on both ends. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me offensively was kind of how many kind of gimmies he missed at the rim. Like he gets himself into good positions and then just kind of inexplicably kind of misses a layup, whether that's concentration or... He does, lift a, he does love to lift a kind of high off glass in other situations. He just kind of missed a lot of those. Uh, Three-point shot kind of isn't – he can make it, but it's kind of like 31% and it's like, yeah. Um, at the shorter it, distance. Mm, at shorter distance. And it, it looks a little funny as well. Uh, he plays for – in I believe he plays in the, the – was it the Pro-A in France. Um this year, I believe. Do they play Euro Cup or Euro League? They play Euro Cup. Sorry, it's in the Jeep Elite, uh, whatever division of. Okay. Uh, uh, which is, I think is different to the. Uh, well, he played in the Pro B last year, so maybe it's the same. I think he was uh, in Pro A this past year. Is that? I'm just trying to think. That's the name they give to the. Because uh, they honestly, they the names chop and change so much, and even team names chop and change so much in Europe with sponsorships. Yeah. It's kind of hard to uh, keep up. I believe it's the Pro A. Um. Which is the top, yeah. the top French league? Yes, top top tier in France. Um, I was looking because Power has played. I just remember Power has remembered uh, Eli Okobo from uh, from last year was mm-hmm. a member of that of that team. So um, so that's changed this year. So it, it's sorry, names are again sponsorships and such. Uh, team <laughs> even team names change because oh, sure. it's sponsorship, which is weird. But uh, so he plays in top tier France. Three point shot wasn't really there. Shot thirty one percent on two point three attempts. I uh, can make it, and but his stuff from the field's not too bad. Forty-eight percent from the field. Uh, he's quick. He likes to switch defensively. Uh, it's more so what you're getting in a few years from Seiko. More so what you're getting right now. I don't think it's stashing because how can you stash a uh, lottery pick? Right. <laughs> Generally speaking, it doesn't go over no. too well. But he's going. He's going to need time in the G League. He's a little. A little raw offensively. Defensively is a little bit. You can kind of maybe do a little bit more. Uh, good to see six eight, good size. I believe he's two. This is two thirty. Sorry, six nine. He's listed six eight, six nine. Uh, two thirty listed. So he's got. It's not, it's not a stick. Uh, can switch. Moves pretty well defensively, but kind of the fundamentals get away from him at times. Um, it's just learning. He just he just needs sure. just needs more time. And obviously, and time in the G League works. I mean, you look at the NBA hey, Finals right hey. now. Siakam spent a whole bunch of time with you know Raptors nine oh five. When yeah, I'm when, sure. I mean, he was a lower pick than Dumboya, but it won't. You know, maybe within 
10 picks or so in the draft between and maybe a little more, but I mean, it's, it's okay to send those guys and have them learn if, you know, if they have the God given physical gifts to, to make it work a couple of years down the line. I mean, mm. Siakam has so much, so much talent. I mean, he's so good defensively at which is ridiculous fun. length. He's really fun to watch, but it's also just his ability to pass as well. It's just, yeah, he's, he's good. But if you're picking Seiku, it kind of it's if you're in the mindset of go for a home if you're not a fan of what's in this draft and you're thinking go for a home run, then this is probably the pick you want to make at wherever wherever you want at this. I've seen them I've seen them in top ten in some mocks as well. Like people people feel strongly about him, but it's more so kind of what he can be rather than what he is. And that's made, kind of separates him from Goga a bit. It's kind of Goga can do things now where Seiku is you can probably yeah it's, it might, I don't think it's unfair to say his ceiling's probably higher than Goga's but I'd say his floor is probably in a in a uh, probably in a worse spot as uh, than than Goga's um, but yeah kind of could do things both ends for now uh, yeah raw I I think is the is the word I could I could I could I could ramble on but I think raw is. Uh, the word I would probably use, but I could see why people are excited about him because um, he is athletic, moves well. He does have a few things offensively, uh, likes going in transition, can do some stuff in the post, which is kind of fun. I always like seeing uh, some stuff in the post. Gets himself in good positions, but kind of just lacks the finesse and the polish, I guess, to kind of finish. Uh, he had that. He had a one game recently where he went off for 34 points, and people will look at that and get excited. And it's kind of like that's not really what he's done for most of the season. Right. It's kind of like an outlier, maybe because of what he could be. Uh, I guess you can call it a statement game for uh, <laughs> teams. Um, and this is kind of him maybe saying this is what I could be. You know, he hits five threes in that game, uh, but I think people need to kind of temper a few expectations with him. And he probably won't be amazing or maybe as good as Goga day one in the NBA. But the upside is, is exciting. But obviously, upside such a <laughs> it's a dangerous place to be because it depends so much on kind of where you're drafted and kind of who you are at the same time. Right. So I, I like him. I don't know how I feel about maybe potentially Atlanta or someone picking him at eight. That I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> Does seem high. I also not sure how I feel about it at ten either. But again, it depends if you're taking it. It's so so dependent. It's, it's such a unique situation the Hawks have. I obviously, obviously, I think of the Suns a few years back, and they had this kind of position. They traded up, and they had like two picks, two high picks, four and eight, and they were Marquise, Chris, and Jack and Bender. And it's oh. like, uh, yeah. So they it, it can go either job. way. I like Jack and Bender, but oh no, so. I, I, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I, I'll just say Phoenix is just not a great place for everyone. It's not for everyone. Um, you know, sometimes people like to use... Uh, well, actually, let me ask you this other question first. Mm. You know, sometimes when you, when you see a kid who's 18, 19, and described as raw, one of the things that comes up is maybe they don't have a long or deep basketball background. Like how, how long has he been playing basketball? Is is that something that came up as you were doing your research? Uh, I don't know how long he's been playing. I know he came onto the radar kind of uh, around two years ago, but I'm, as far as it is his history, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. He doesn't, he didn't look like someone who'd been playing for, like he just kind of got into it. Like he does, he does look like he obviously knows what he's doing. I mean, I wouldn't, I looked at him and saw him. I didn't think he was, say, kind of the Joel Embiid kind of two, three years kind of kind of late pick up the basketball kind of thing. And obviously that's a very different, <laughs> very different thing. Because um, <laughs> Embiid was obviously a monster at college as well. But Yeah, he was unbelievable. Um, whew, uh, I'll say. Um, but he didn't, he doesn't, yeah, I, I watch him and I feel like he's been been around for for a few years. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned about that as much. All right. 
he's just young. Like it's, do you remember? Like I can barely remember what I was like at eighteen in terms of skills. You know? I mean, I tweeted it today. Like, I, I, I was, I did stuff in high school, and it was mostly you know marching band and stuff like that. And when I was seventeen, I was like, got into tennis a little bit and joined the tennis team, and was just you know a scrubby tennis player who wasn't any good. And when I was seventeen. Michael Chang won the French Open, which is, you know, 30 years ago yesterday. And he was 17. And I don't know why. I mean, I just watched it like a tennis match. And I knew he was kind of the same age as me. But, like, I had no appreciation whatsoever for, like, how somebody who's 17 years old could go in there and another country playing on clay, all these damn grown-ups, and just beat every single great tennis player in the world. I mean, he beat Lendl and Edberg in his last two matches who were just, they were at the apex of their careers at the time. And to, to be that good at anything when you're that young, is just stupendous. And, you know, to be a, any kind of first round pick when you're 18 years old, I mean, I know right. part of it has to do with his physical profile, but you still have to be so darn good. I mean, it's, it's exciting for a kid like Dumboya that, you know, you look at, where he's gone the last couple of years in terms of free throw percentage. I mean, he, yeah, you take those two seasons combined and he's, you know, not, not a huge volume of free throws, but to see somebody who can shoot 77% from the free throw line at that age, that's, that's good touch. So it's so there, easy to forget. Isn't it? Kind of, you kind of forget kind of how young these guys are. <laughs> and it's, it, it's so easy to get lost in that. And um, that kind of you can because you can go spend so long down that tunnel. And it's like this dude is seventeen and a half, basically. Right. You know, Five he's gonna be. Oh, he was thirteen. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's like he's gonna be this. Some people have him in the top ten. He's. I think. I think. I don't think you can argue too much. He's probably going in the lottery. You know, like you do have to have. You can't just be that raw and be considered for. You know, you do have. You have to. You you do have to have some skill. Obviously, his physical stuff is good. 6'11 wingspan, 230, 6'9 is nice. Can interchange both the, the forward spots, three and four, which is obviously so nice. But he can play. Like that's that's the thing. He shot 47% from the field. Like it's not it's not a shabby percentage at all. He does have there's obviously merit. It's just it's more so for what he can be more so than what he is right now. But it's it is insane. Dude is um sorry, I said he's 17. He's, hey, he's 18 and a half. Sorry, that was that was silly. Um He's eighteen. And a half. He's, right. he's nineteen at the end of this year. It, it, it is just nuts, kind of where, like, where he, like, at this stage, you know, he's that's so young. Like, you, you do forget kind of how young that is. I don't even remember why I did at eighteen. No. So. All right. Any other Hawks news you want to consider before we punt? Uh, and before I forget, there, because I'm negligent a lot of the time. If there's anything you want to plug. Go go hard and go now before I forget. Um, do you want to talk about Dwayne Dedman? Dwayne Dedman. I mean, mm. my my Dedman feelings are strong. You uh, like him? He, he was he was perfect last year. He was great, wasn't he? I, I, mean, I like him. He's he's a good character, good player. He's he's loud yeah, and jokes. he's funny and, I mean, the the thing about it is, you see a lot of teams. I, I know I went on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and said my piece about Clint Capella just not not really fitting all that well in Houston with the things that they want to do and how mm. it really hurts them that they spent that much money on him. I mean, it obviously hurts them that they spent a lot of money on Chris Ball, too. They're locked mm. into their position, but you know, teams can make mistakes – it's it's one of the most common mistakes, and you see it a lot for teams who don't think they can get other free agents, but they just they overpay the middle tier, right? I mean, mm. you want to pay the guys that are in the top tier, and then you want to get smart budget guys at the bottom, and that's how you see most of these contenders being made. And the mistakes are often made in the middle, and Deadman might be a guy in the middle, but we mentioned it before with respect to the draft. The Hawks are so early in the rebuild process that you look at their salary cap and the amount of space that they have and where they are relative to the rest of the league. It's still so early that you can pay Deadman for two years. 
No, I like it. I, I, I would love to see it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no real downside. You're not, you're not going to get Kevin Durant. I mean, <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> it would be fantastic if you Clay get Thompson is coming to him. Atlanta. What's that? Clay Thompson ain't coming to Atlanta. Oh, really? I mean, it, it would be hard to see that. Yeah. It would be hard to see. Especially it. if they lose. I think that they're just going to have such a chip. Especially Clay will just have a chip on his shoulder to go back and try to win again. I think he he deeply cares about winning and gets pissed off when he doesn't. She's mad that he was snubbed for uh, All-NBA. Could you imagine if he was healthy, what he'd be doing right now? He looked pissed last night just sitting on the bench. He just His face was like, damn it, I want to play. <laughs> yeah. He's playing game four. Yeah. Uh, could you imagine Dwayne Dedman on the Warriors right now, how much of a difference that would be making? That'd be game-changing. Every single t- – I mean, there's not a playoff team that, that Dedman wouldn't be playing for. Like, he'd be given Toronto good minutes. He'd be given mm-hmm. – he would have he would have been perfect with Milwaukee. There are so many teams. You just say, "Wow, if they had somebody like Dwayne Dedman, that would be nice." Because he just has, you know, he's really versatile defensively. He's not like a lot of these other slower bigs where you have to play drop coverage. And you could do a lot of different things. Um, he would kill it for the Warriors right now. He'd be he'd be insane. <laughs> he's everything they need, isn't he? Basically, yeah. at this stage. Yeah, they. I'm all for it. I, I'd love to see him back in Atlanta on a nice big deal. Uh, I like jokes. I hope it <laughs> happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even. I'm not in. I don't get the access you do uh, for obvious reasons in right. uh, locker room access. I'm a few few feet away, but uh, when I was over last year, I, and you just see like in exit interviews and such, he's he's just fun. Like he's just it's fun to watch on and off the court. He's great. Yeah, he he got mad at me this season because <laughs> I, I think I've said this before, but. You know, as soon as I asked him about, wow, you know, he's, you know, he's, it's amazing that, you know, somebody, we, we talked about it before, like how long has somebody been playing basketball? And Debman is one of those guys who just hasn't played basketball that long, really didn't start until he was 18. And so, you know, here he is now 27, 29, whatever, you know, whatever age he is, I want to say 28, maybe, I don't know. But the fact that he would be a shooting technical free throws, you know, against, on, on the same team with somebody like Trey Young or Vince Carter, yeah. or, you know, some of these guys that have just done basketball so long for so much of their lives, such a pr- high percentage of their lives that, you know, that, that it would come as well to him as, as it, to somebody who started when they were more into their formative years and, and just made that longer lasting imprint. I just thought it was really impressive. So when I went to ask him about it, then of course he started missing free throws and, Honestly, you know, maybe there's a correlation, maybe there isn't, but yeah, he wasn't happy. And you know, he kind of half joked about it, but I could under—I mean, I'd understand why. I mean, I, I'd be upset. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his—that's his defense mechanism, you know. And he—he's good at it. He's good at that defense mechanism of joking around, and that's honestly, you know, that's my philosophy on life too. Let's you know, let's not take too seriously good. the things that are aren't that serious. So. Cope with them as you will, and and he's a good sport. I think it was really telling. Do you remember around the trade deadline? I know this is going on forever, um, so I'm sorry. Uh, That's all right. Do you remember around the trade deadline where um, obviously there's obviously trade chatter is obviously very high, and obviously Hawks have some pieces. Um, and then Schlenk came out afterwards and said that he re- basically, I'm again I'm paraphrasing, but basically said that he really wanted to keep this kind of core. Didn't want to really mess it up. And I feel like Deadman is such a big part of that part of this really good thing that was going on last season in 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 atlanta i think he was just a, like these chemistry these glue guys i just feel like if he was missing from the locker room and obviously on the court um i think it would have a really i think it would have a profound effect on that group i think he's so important and it's one of those things i mean you can't put too much of a price on in a sense in terms of like a draft, or like you know, if they want, if you want to go, and it seemed like he wanted to stay. Oh, that was the other thing. I mean, he was well within his rights, I'm sure, to say, "Hey, I want to go." As a playoff team, I mean, like I said, he can go for any playoff team. I think it was really telling for both Schlenk and him. Obviously, about obviously what's going on in Atlanta, and just Schlenk maybe not wanting to break this up because it's a good thing, and he's part of this good thing. I think he plays more of a role on this good thing. That I think many, maybe many give him credit for. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Just because I, I would say that he doesn't do 
any one thing magically. He just does everything that he does sort of at an above average rate. Like he's a, he's a really good, not amazing, but he's a good rebounder. You know, he's a good shooter from three on the catch and shoot. He's a good shooter from three on pick and pops. He can run the pick and roll. You can do different things defending pick and rolls with him. You can put him in drop coverage and he'll, he'll protect the rim, but you can also have him, you know, hedge and recover, you know, and do things like that. I mean, the only real knock I can think of is that he's not a guy who plays 77 games a season. I think his track mm. record has been more like 65 games. But again, you know, for a young team where you're going to want to spread some opportunity around anyways, you know, you're going to want to see Spellman take the reins for a few weeks and be a starter or whatnot. You know, you're, you're going to want to spread some opportunity around and play with things on a young team and see what guys do in different roles. So, you know, if, if they sign him and he gives them 60 games or 67 games, you know, that's good enough. I think so. I, I, it's, it's just, I'm just, I'm just interested to see how it works out in the summer because the Hawks aren't one to move fast, but he might, Devin might be one of the ones teams might make a move quickly for in a sense. Cause I've been, cause I'm sure I think you could, <laughs> I think his value is kind of highlighted by the fact he's not in the playoffs in a sense, because he kind of like again we talked about throw him in Golden State. Like how valuable would he be right now to a team like that? And you mentioned Milwaukee as well. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how quickly does a team move for him and how the Hawks respond to because they want if they want to like this report from uh, Shams talking about maybe re-upping right. Deadman on a short deal that is you know. Um, little high in price, Schlenk isn't going to want to commit, you know, history tells us Schlenk isn't going to commit to that on day three or four. So it puts me in an interesting spot of what they do. Yep. So I'm interested to see how that ends up. I do think he wants to be in Atlanta, but obviously summer is, <laughs> it's going to be wild. It's going to be utterly nonsense this yeah. year. I can't wait. Free agency is going to be wild. Much more fun can't than the draft. The draft will be all right, but yeah. Not to it's be not out. that exciting of a draft, but but free agency is going to be wild this year. And you're right, Schlenk has a history of kind of waiting. I got to sit down and just like calculate and look at the list of free agent centers and think about who will go where because maybe that will slow down the process. I mean, there are going to be guys out there like Brooke Lopez. Uh, I mean, it seems like in recent years there's been kind of kind of a glut of centers, and so you know a team that might go after Deadman might go after a Brooke Lopez or uh Nick Vucevic instead. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's funny. There's this little bit of a paradox, you know, the teams that Deadman could really help, you know, somebody who needs sort of a short term boost at center among these playoff contenders. Those are the teams who can't really sign him because they don't have the cap space. Or if they do have it, they probably want to prioritize it somewhere other than the center position. So it's it's a little bit of a weird spot. And you wonder, you know, is there some team from among the lottery ranks who would prize him as just a complimentary piece? Because they might see what he did in Atlanta this year and say, you know, he's not a guy who's, you're going to do this rebuild and it's going to take six years. And he might not be around six years from now when we're good. But mm. if we plug and play him now, he's a complimentary piece that's talented enough that makes the lives of our young players easier and better so that they can learn better and perform better. You know, you get them to a certain level now, then they're going to be better players six years from now. Uh, but just having having a complimentary piece like Debmate just really accelerates their development of their other pieces. I wonder if some, some lottery team would prize him that way. It's one of those things that it's one of those things you don't, you put how much of a price you put in that. It's going to be interesting to see who does. And obviously you have to really value process over product. Mm. He's one of those where I wouldn't mind paying a little bit more to have him back, have him about. I think he's good for the team, both on and off the court. Right. How much do you place a value on that stuff? I think the Hawks will do that, but will they be forced into it maybe a little bit quicker than, they would like. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it will be. 
All right. So anything you want to plug? I think I gave you this opportunity and did you take I, I it? it? No, I did not. What do you want to plug? Um, just, I guess Twitter really. Um, at Twitter at Graham underscore chapel. Um, Spell chapel. C-H-A-P-P-L-E. It is All not right. French. Uh, I can confirm. Um, <laughs> I will attempt to be a bit more active on Twitter, getting close to the draft and free agency, but uh, summer is slow. And sometimes he's, I don't like... He's good for the morning treats because of the time difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will try over the summer to up my Twitter game. Um, so I don't like to... Well, I don't like to... I, I say I, I don't like to spout nonsense, but that wouldn't really be true, would it? Um, I mean, I'll say I'll try and take more of what I do in the Slack, Petri Hoop Slack chat to Twitter. I, I, guess, I guess that could be my, my promise for the summer. I will try. Don't, don't give away the Slack secrets. No, never. No, never. Slack must. The integrity of the Slack chat must remain <laughs> intact under all circumstances. I'm joking. It's not that big of a deal. All right, sir. Thank you very much. We'll have to do this again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it.